Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We should we should start with a little bit of context because this isn't our first time sharing a chat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had a chat back in December, end of December. I think it was like a few days before Christmas or something. Mm-hmm. And for various audio issues, that chat didn't quite. It was a good chat, but the recording wasn't what it needed to be. Yeah, technical <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah, and then we kind of we have spoke about reconvening a few weeks later, but then ended up deciding that. It would be better to hold off a little bit, wait a few months, and then kind of have a completely separate chat, which I think actually proved to be a pretty good decision because it seems like the last few months have been pretty crazy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I was thinking about that because when we first talked, things were pretty crazy for me. Like, like because it was just kind of starting off. Yeah, yeah, and then since then, I think it's like currently it's kind of petered off a little bit, but like. When we first talked, I got that one song, Lo-Fi Nights, on a couple of Spotify editorial playlists. I think that has about 1.5 million streams, but then, <laughs> which is cool, super duper cool. And then I released another song, probably on, like days after our podcast, in, in the last podcast. And that one hit a few Spotify editorial playlists as well. I think it's sitting around 400 or 500,000. And then I released another song after that, and that one also went on a bunch of editorial playlists, and that one... Is it about 1.4 million also? So middling. <laughs> mid, mid, midding without the L. Midding. I get that a lot. <laughs> actually. <laughs> I do get that a lot. Um uh actually no, midding midding is the one that did four hundred or five hundred thousand or whatever. And then I released another song called Weighted, which is the one that said around one point four million, which ah, is, okay. is wild. Yeah, because I don't think Weighted had come out when we spoke last time. Yeah, I think that one yeah, that's right. I just released Admitting, and then when we were talking, and then I released uh, Waited, like it was the first track of 2021. It was me. pretty early in the year, like a few days into January or something. Very early into the year. It's like first first release of the year, and uh, 
that one also did great. <laughs> so I was kind of <laughs> happy about that. I'm actually not even that crazy about that track, to be honest. It's kind of like really chill. And I think I made that one like years ago or a couple of years ago. I kind of, honestly, that one I kind of released a little bit as like playlist bait because I had a feeling like it was like similar instrumental vibe that would probably do well in those playlists. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just release this older track. And it kind of fitted well with like, it was like a heavy song in terms of like, it's emotional and slow. And there was like just so much crap happened in the last year just kind of seemed right for so many different reasons was it a, a tactical choice to release it so early into the year as well because no one else was probably dropping music at that point like the first friday um uh, i usually actually okay i should probably say yeah because it makes me sound super smart <laughs> but not really because uh i usually just release i'm just super committed to releasing a new song every single month and i tend to usually release it in the first couple of weeks of every single month it just happened to be a good time to release it, I suppose, because if would have if it was any other month, it would have been somewhere around the beginning of the month. It just usually when I release, and I'm ruthlessly releasing every single month, so it just worked out. <laughs> Do you always release on a Friday as well? Um, so I've been kind of playing with that because I'm trying to like figure out more and more of like the Spotify algorithm for my own benefit, and I also kind of started teaching it as well. Um, and I actually prefer Mondays. Um, and the reason I usually prefer Mondays is because everybody else is releasing on Fridays for one. So it could be a little bit more competitive, but then also a big part of it is kind of driving the Spotify algorithm. And usually on Fridays, that's when like the release radar playlists get all pushed out. So what I usually try to do actually is I prefer to release on Mondays so that there's less competition. And then I usually run ads against my song. So it gives like four, four or five days before it even hits the algorithm to like build up some streams and then hopefully the algorithm's like, Ooh, this has been doing good. Let's, let's push it. So that's usually my tactic, but I'm constantly experimenting. Where is a lot of that then kind of figuring out the algorithm? Is it trial and error or how much of that information are you able to kind of find online and learn from? There's a lot of good information online. Um, I'm going to spit out a couple of like cool YouTubers that people should definitely check out. Uh, they're mostly YouTubers. I think it's a pretty much all YouTubers that seem to be talking about this stuff. But there's one, his name's Andrew Southworth. Definitely, I would check him out if you're interested in this kind of stuff. And then another one is Tom Dupree. I know that name. Yeah, he might be He might be in the UK. Maybe, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> too sure. Um, but Tom Dupree, and I think what's interesting about his name is he's Tom Dupree third. I think. So he like goes by that. So that's kind of interesting. He does a lot of really cool videos specifically about like Facebook ads and the algorithm. I think those are the two main people I'm mostly like watching, talking about this stuff, but they have a lot of, lot of good information on it. And they're also running tests and figuring things out. And I'll definitely learn a lot from them. So I would definitely check them out. I'll send the links after in case anyone's interested. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Do Spotify publish this information or do people just have to figure it out by experimenting, basically? It seems mostly by experimenting. Um, Particularly, like, there doesn't seem to be a specific, like, oh, if your song hits this many streams in the first two days, like, or any kind of, like, calculation they give you or anything like that. So there's definitely quite a bit of, yeah, figuring things out and testing things. Um, I do this, and I think those YouTubers do it as well. But you could actually kind of, like, put the, the stats into a spreadsheet and kind of calculate the, how the song's doing over time. And that kind of gives you a better insight into how things are performing and kind of figuring out patterns of when spotify pushes things out and whatnot the only thing that they do kind of give you is there's something called 
a popularity index. What that is, is Spotify's algorithm, like it'll look at how the song's performing and what playlist it's getting added to. And it might even look at like mentions of the song around the internet and it'll give it a percentage out of obviously a hundred. And um, this information is pretty readily available. Um, I think the, the Tom Dupree guy mentioned a website called Music Stacks. I'll send a link to that as well. But you could actually punch any song into this Music Stack or music stacks it's like stacks like stupidly spelt with an x um <laughs> and you can punch this in so like i'll punch in like a song we were just talking about so uh i'm punching it in right now and there's midding into the into the result and it'll show you like how long the song is what the bpm is uh what the key is uh what the loudness decibel like average is as well as the popularity in a percentage and then things like the danceability in a percentage energy positiveness speechiness instrumentalness all kinds of little things like that how does um, it figure that stuff out like danceability and positiveness that is all like the um the spotify algorithm like i guess it's looking at things like it'll probably look at like the waveform um to see like i guess like what the peaks are and things like that as well as it'll compare like the different bpms and i think what it's doing is it'll listen through the song and like compare it to other songs that are highly danceable or not as danceable and then kind of figure out where to put it in the spectrum something like that <laughs> like uh, actually this website's so cool uh so if you hover over like the danceability there's a question mark in particular and it says a measure on how suitable a track could be for dancing to through measuring tempo rhythm stability beat strength and overall regularity tracks near zero percent are least danceable 100 percent are more suited for dancing to so i think it compares all these things and finds other highly danceable songs and puts all this together which is crazy it's so cool to see this and this is kind of the stuff that the algorithm looks at where it'll be like okay this song's highly danceable let me put it into the release radar of other people's that is highly danceable that like this percentage and weird algorithmic stuff it's wild <laughs> <laughs> you wonder like i'm imagining like 10 years in the future of ai could almost design like a perfect song to match the algorithm i've like I, to tick all those boxes i've i've heard um i've heard people talk about that before um i mean it's definitely possible because from what i can tell from ai it seems like it's there's endless potential and it's only a matter of like time um but at least currently i saw one youtube video where somebody tried it and like the result was bad <laughs> really bad <laughs> so i think there's still a way to go with that but early days yeah but particularly like i can only imagine like that, that how creepy would it be if spotify was like okay we know the exact percentages that we need to hit to have a massive hit and we're not even gonna care about people uploading music anymore it's just spotify is gonna be the algorithm is the only music you need to listen to anymore we're making our own songs <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty dystopian yeah we'll see but it also doesn't one. seem too unbelievable like in a future it seems yeah. plausible, like especially if like the Spotify CEO like meets up with like Elon Musk or something. I'm sure they could do something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you realize how much all this stuff matters, though, kind of surrounding the song's release. Because I know we were talking about weighted there, and you released, I think, a few years ago on Facebook, and it does like 61 views. Yes, yes. And then you stick it out now, and it's on like what. 1.3 million, I think you said? Something like that, yeah. So I remember, yeah, because I think I did a, a Instagram post on that just because, like, the comparison is crazy. It was like, I think Weighted was one of the first kind of tunes I dropped just on Facebook. I was dropping them on Facebook at the time for some reason. And, yeah, it was something like 61 views. And then just waiting 
a while until like I guess I built up a little bit more something something just dropping the exact same track I didn't like remix it change anything about it <laughs> I think I used the same artwork everything no I think I changed the artwork potentially for sure but then dropped it and it <laughs> much more than 61 views which is, which is crazy <laughs> it's an interest the one with the uh, saxophone sampling I think as well is it I think uh, sax appeal. Oh, I think there might. There's. A, I have a song called Sax Appeal that has a saxophone, obviously, in it. And then there is some kind of. I think a saxophone comes in in that tune for sure. Do you think I just got yeah, that it's, splice? It's kind of like what you built it. This is why it's interesting that you put it out two years ago because when I hear it now, it feels like something you would have written recently because it, it's almost like something you would have evolved to that point because it all kind of comes in in such a precise and delicate way and it all just works perfectly yeah <laughs> well thanks i appreciate the kind of words right off the bat and yeah i guess that is kind of interesting I, don't, I, I couldn't explain it i guess it's one of those things where when i was releasing that stuff on facebook and a bit on youtube i was putting out a song every single week at that point and just dropping them on facebook or youtube and i guess throughout that process I happened to land on something, some songs that were good, and that was probably one of them. And maybe that was just like kind of the earlier signs of like figuring out how to kind of structure a song properly and whatnot. And I'm sure after that, I released some crappy stuff on Facebook and YouTube. And now I'm just a little bit more consistent in kind of doing that on newer songs. And this it was maybe more of like figuring it out. And I happened to hit something nice back then i don't know do you notice that the the quality ratio has gone up in terms of what you're writing like you said when you were putting a song out a week it was maybe a little bit mixed do you notice now it tends to be kind of more consistent yeah definitely um there's probably two reasons for that one is like from doing it every single week for a year you just get you get really good at your processes and you figure out what you like and what you don't want like and um you can just make decisions a lot quicker and more confidently and then that's one aspect. And I think the other aspect is now also when I'm working on songs, I don't have that deadline of doing it in a week. So I could also like chill out and like work on it a lot more and like workshop. Give it some space it. to like marinate and breathe. And exactly. Yeah. So that's definitely a nice thing too. But I think it was like super integral to figuring out my style today and getting better doing it every week. I don't think... No amount of YouTube tutorials that I've watched on like Ableton or whatever <laughs> has helped it that much. <laughs> I think it's because the lessons you're learning from doing that are completely specific to you as well. Like they completely relate to your process, whereas the lessons you might take from YouTube or something tend to be a little bit broader maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think it's also an aspect of if you're also like learning things on YouTube, if you're just watching the YouTube videos and not doing anything with it, like you might not get the same knowledge as if every single week you're putting out a new song and you could actually apply those tactics to a song and see how it works for you and kind of figure out your own processes and figure out what, yeah, I guess what, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. What is, um, what's the rhythm of your work for like at the moment then? How often are you kind of completing a song? It's interesting right now. It's definitely slowed down drastically. So one thing that I was able to do is during that like time when we were talking, I was like really working on quite a few tracks and I worked on enough tracks and happy with enough of those tracks that I've releases lined up until the end of the summer, at least. Nice. So I'm pretty like, I'm kind of stepping back from working on dance music right now. And right now I've been working on kind of more chill music, slower BPM stuff, uh, similar to like, I know you've seen the, um, those like nature jams and stuff like that. Those yeah. usually, they usually weren't as like, those weren't usually as housey. Um, they were usually a bit more like chilled out. 
And I've been kind of working on those quite a lot more recently and kind of figuring out, I don't know, how, figuring out how I could release more, like less dancey stuff is what I've been trying to do and figure out the same like workflow of getting, um, getting those chill songs to sound good too. So right now I've been doing like kind of working on a sketch of a more chilled out track every day this month. Um, so I've been working on quite a bit of music. I don't know if it's releasable quite yet, but um, definitely working on a ton of music. <laughs> do you work every day? Um, right now i am trying to like right now the idea is like it's similar to that idea of like releasing a brand new song every single week right now i'm just trying to like build out a brand new sketch every single day so the idea is like at the end of the month i'll have about 30 sketches and then i could take those and then the ones that i like i could start building out into a more completed song and then also the idea that i have is kind of filming live jams of some of them putting those on instagram and seeing what the reaction is to some of these and that'll give me some indication of which songs i should definitely double down on um so that's what i'm kind of working on right now particularly i found it super useful like that one song lo-fi nights that started off as like a chill like kind of lo-fi chilled out track that i was i was doing i just filmed it with my phone and threw it up on instagram like the response to that was like crazy at least for me or like at least i could notice like okay people like this whatever this was and that gave me the inspiration to flip that into the lo-fi nights that you might have heard today where it's that more fleshed out dance track and it's using the that that original phone recording as a sample so i'm kind of want to keep trying that idea of like putting out jams onto instagram and seeing like oh like kind of let the people decide like oh that's cool okay i'll, I'll work on that a little bit more and kind of using that to give direction for what I do end up releasing. Do when you're popping that thing up on Instagram, will you figure out will you try and work out what it is about that that is resonating so much with people before developing it? Because how do you develop it without losing that initial spark that's catching people's attention? Usually, at least what I did the first time is I just took the the thing people liked and just used that <laughs> fully. Like I didn't necessarily like recreate it. I just took it and used that as a sample. So I'm thinking I might do something similar um cuz the way that that usually I'll do those kind of sketches is it's usually in some kind of like a groove box, like a all in one kind of music making device. And so all of the, that jam is like in that box. So all the parts are recorded down. So from there I can just take those and flesh that out into a full track. I don't need to like work, like recreate it or anything like that. So I can just literally take the part that people liked and just work on, work on it from there. What's, um, what's the hybrid setup you've got going at the minute as well? When did that come into the picture? So the hybrid setup is, it's a combination of a DJ controller, and right now I'm using a uh, Ableton Push, which is controlling the Ableton software, and um, the kind of like the the idea that that really formed from that is watching DJs is really cool, or I, well not really watching DJs, listening to DJs is really cool because you could hear songs that you like, and it's always fun. But the one thing that kind of sucks about that is that they're usually kind of just, I mean, there's, there's a lot of skill that goes into DJing, but it's usually not very visual. And it's like, usually they're just spinning two tracks, maybe beat matching, maybe syncing it, mixing them together. Kind but you popping could, his head a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that could still be entertaining, but there's a little bit of that like musical kind of, you know, je ne sais quoi missing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then on the, yeah. the, the reverse side, particularly like going to like a smaller local band, I always kind of felt like those were a little bit of like jerk off fests a little bit like 
it's like a band up there playing like five, six, seven of their own songs. And you don't even know them, even if you're friends with them. And it's cool because they're performing and like, there's that aspect of like performance, but also it's like, you know, like I also kind of want to hear songs I like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And depending on how good they are, it could literally be like someone's like wanking on stage, like as opposed to like (laughs) playing for the crowd. So that's kind of where like the idea came where it's like, I like DJing and I like that aspect of DJing and I don't like that aspect. And then same thing with performances. What about like kind of mashing them together? So that way it's a hybrid set. So you could like spin tracks that people know and like, but then also you have like, say the, the groove box or the Ableton push right now. And you could layer over your own drums and layer over your own keyboard parts and bass parts, and then transition into your own song and kind of like launch clips of your own music. But then you could also, while you're DJing a track, you could like take a, a part of it and kind of mix it out a little bit and then add in your own drums over top of the DJ track, add in your own bass keyboard and kind of do like on the fly kind of remix. So it seems like a cool concept of like mashing a whole bunch of things like things that are new and maybe the audience hasn't heard before and you maybe your own music, but then also giving something to the audience, letting them actually hear stuff that they like and want to dance to and that kind of stuff. Hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a one for me, one for you type thing. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, in an ideal situation, like when I'm playing my own creations, that they'll still enjoy that. But I could only imagine when you're when you're hearing somebody play their own stuff over and over and over again, it could get tiring, and it'd be nice to have some variety in the in the experience. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on something as well, which seems to be central to a lot of your creative thinking, which is the audience. Always, it seems to be something that's quite constantly in your mind with what we're saying about testing stuff out on Instagram and the way that you keep them very much in mind when you're working on a set. Yeah, has has that always been the case, or is that something you've evolved to? I think it's honestly something I evolved to, um, particularly like I used to play a lot in bands and I used to play like with bands and like I really saw a lot of that like kind of selfishness, I guess, where it's like playing your own song and like that you like really care about. Like, and I think that's important to like make stuff that you actually do like. But then I think if you want to have more of an impact, I think you need to consider who's actually listening to it. And pr- I think particularly if you're an artist that's posting stuff and releasing things, it's not a one-way kind of conversation. It's a, I don't know if that's the right term for it. It's a two-way conversation, right? There's somebody- exchange. Exactly. Yeah. There's someone on the other end of it. And I think it's important to, at least for me, I think it's important to find that balance of what I like and what the other, what the audience person likes or whatever <laughs> however you might call them um and kind of strike that balance um and i think i think it pays off a little bit because it's a, like building a, a connection and a conversation and you're giving people what they like and then also doing what you like it's like in no point here am i just like randomly releasing like a katie perry style track because it's like oh god i really want to get famous and i want to <laughs> do what people like it's it's a, some kind of balancing act of it and i think it serves it serves both me and the listener. So I think it's everybody kind of wins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could come back to Wade with that in that that's a song that you made for yourself and you made it genuinely, but then the way in which you release it when it comes to putting it on Spotify, you're very much thinking about how it's going to reach the most people. That was badassly put, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Because <laughs> when I was first making it, like, I, there was no audience. Like, it was like, I was putting it out, hoping that like, if I keep putting stuff out, people will notice it. And then when deciding when to release or what to release next, looking at that back catalog, 
it's like, all right, well, I made this at a, yeah, like you said, like I made this at a point of doing it for me, but now it just makes sense to release it like, or it could make sense to release it for the algorithm. And then that, that, that intuition was just happened to pay off in that instance. Yeah, I like how you put that. <laughs> <laughs> what about with like uh, the remixes you've been putting out on Spotify as well? Because that's bringing another element into the mix where you now have the artist, the artist of the original song there too. How does that kind of change your approach to it when we now have audience yourself and the artist? It's another thing coming into the picture. Yeah, that's a good question. I think so far with the remixes that I've done, um, they're just like actual friends of mine, like in real life before like any kind of music thing. So it definitely felt a lot easier to like, whatever I did, they would feel pretty like, like, okay, we're friends with you. This sounds cool. Um, and there's just like a bit of trust already built into that. But from that, like uh, I do have a pretty specific workflow that might be worth mentioning with this. With remixes in particular, what I'll usually do is um, once we've kind of decided like, oh, it'd be cool to do a remix. Um, what I'll do is I'll kind of work on like the first little bit of it, like maybe take the main hook and build up my instrumental around that main hook. And then before getting too deep into the process, like maybe just working on it for like an hour or two, I'll send that sketch over as soon as possible to the artist and be like, Hey, this was like my initial thought on it. Go or no go. Uh, and then thankfully, usually it's been a go, <laughs> but I find that's a good workflow, at least for remixes, or at least with working with any collaborators. It'll prevent that potential like downside of like, I basically imagine working on a track for like three weeks, <laughs> all right? And you put all so much into it and then you send it over to the artist and they're like, ah, nah, 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 nah. It kind of just prevents like that. So at least this way, like right off the bat, can see if we want to keep going with it or if I should try out any other ideas, or if maybe this isn't the right remix to do. So it gets that out of the way as soon as possible. And that's the main, um, that's the main interaction I would say with the artist. I think between then from there, it's like, I'm just putting whatever I want on top of it. So I'm, I'm happy and I'm getting to pick a song that I like. So I'm happy. I think it's a little different with like the audience side of things, particularly at least with the, with remixes, they're more vocally like classic, vocal songs and i don't yeah. know if my audience necessarily likes that necessarily but i'm not too sure i'm trying to like navigate that still you'll kind of play around with them a little bit though and maybe distort them so that they function more like instruments rather than how a vocal would traditionally set in the mix yes so usually what i'll do is do some kind of like vocal chopping and something to make them a little bit in there but then at least with these recent ones i've been adding some kind of flow of like verse chorus kind of thing and that's a little bit different from what i'm doing still kind of figuring it out but and then also on like a selfish reason th that i like doing this is releasing more vocally music like this is different also like i mentioned and i kind of want to do that so i mentioned that i released like at least one song for like the playlist and the algorithm i don't want to just only do that like i want to be able to release songs that are more vocally songs that are less vocally in different like styles potentially i want to have that flexibility so i think also releasing a variety of stuff at least earlier in the career sets that expectation so that i can be more flexible going forward i think that's at least really important to me you tease a little bit on nemo as well and there's some vocal samples on that isn't there yeah yeah there's like <laughs> i don't even know what the vocal sample is per se it's like more humming or like i don't know what, what it's saying it's like like <laughs> but there is a there is a vocal there's some melodies going on yeah exactly yeah so there's vocal parts of it um so i did i did able to 
I think, yeah, I definitely did tease that for sure. And I have some new stuff coming up that does the same. I think the song I just released also does the same thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think teasing it in and is important and like just having that flexibility. I wouldn't want to be like playlist guy just releasing things like the same kind of style of music over and over again. That's not necessarily, I mean, I'm grateful for all the playlist stuff, but I don't really want to get stuck in any kind of box if I can help it. <laughs> Yeah, because then if that support was to stop as well, you would feel frustrated that you boxed yourself in for no reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, getting boxed in would suck on its own. And then like, just doing anything like not <laughs> like doing anything for like a commercial reason like that alone is kind of annoying. And then then to have it not work too would be just like the cherry on top of the shitstorm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it comes back to like, yeah, what we're saying about it has to be genuine. Like, at the core of it, it has to remain that, and then you'll try and release it in a way that caters to the other side of the commercial aspects too. Yeah, I think that, that's kind of the key. And it's interesting because speaking with you on it now, and you put things pretty eloquently in a lot of ways. That really does <laughs> like, that's a good mindset that like explains my mindset that I didn't even really like, I was able to put into words before. Um, I think that is important, like making the music from a place of genuineness. But then at that point, like it's almost like it's almost in any artist's best interest to, okay, switch gears and figure out how you can make the best of this song in terms of its release and maybe kind of put some of the like the artistic stuff behind. Like obviously releases need to be artistic in some ways, but like you want to put on like a different cap when it comes to releasing stuff and make sure that you do the like. Make sure you do the best job when you're making the song, then switch focus. Make sure you, that you can release the song as best as you can. Yeah, it's almost like taking off the creator hat and putting on the manager hat. Oh yeah, 100%. It just makes sure that you get the best of both worlds. And I didn't really necessarily know that I was particularly doing that until you kind of mentioned it, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with what you were saying earlier on about remixes as well, where you'll quite often like, take the central hook and then build it out from there. Was that a similar process for Nemo where you had that kind of piano loop? Did you build the song around that? Actually, oh, actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because Nemo was an interesting one. Uh, Nemo is actually a collaboration that I did with an artist named BHXA uh, from Turkey. And he is a, um, he's actually quite young and he does more like lo-fi style music. Um, and I wanted to initially like release it with him on like the headline or whatever like so it showed his name he's featuring on it yeah exactly but interestingly enough um he's trying to make a specific push into like the lo-fi realm of music and didn't want or thought it might not look right to have like a completely different style in like the spotify profile i guess so that was actually a collaboration with him and um he actually sent the main piano kind of hook over and i built it around that and then um then I actually just found those cool vocals and I don't even know how much I even cut them up, but I, that was added in after something I found on splice and then kind of mixed in after. And was just one of those, like it fits in key. It fits the vibe. This is so cool. And the last happened. piece of the puzzle. Exactly. Yeah. So that one actually came from like a really cool melody that, uh, that, uh, BH, BHXA put together. I don't even know. I've never even asked. How'd you, yeah, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even, I don't even think I know his real name. We've had so many conversations. <laughs> um, BHXA. I'll send the link to that too because he's actually really awesome. Um, so he actually sent that over and yeah, built it off of that. And I actually did the same kind of process with the remix because I was intending for it to be a collaboration. So like I sent over 
uh, my kind of take on it as soon as possible to make sure that he was happy with it. And then it was too bad we couldn't have, like, have both names on the, the record, but he was nice enough to just like give me like, he's like, release it. You know what I mean? Like, I like this and I want it out there. Just put it out there. Has he got a writing credit on it? Has he just credited there? He didn't want any kind of credit. Wow. I was trying, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying so hard. I, like, I guess it's just easier to be like, whatever. And yeah, but if that song ends up crushing it, I'm going to have to figure out some way to hook him up. Well, actually also we have to have a kind of like a neat relationship in particular. Now I know that he was working on a track and he was like, Hey, like I know that like kind of like you're, you can write some nice bass lines and, um, he wanted help on the baseline. So I was like, okay, no fucking problem. Like I took the track <laughs> and like, I made up like, f- like four or five baselines and sent it back. Like, there you go. If you use it, don't worry about any kind of credit. Like we got that, we got that kind of relationship at least. So that's kind of cool actually that to have that. How did you link up with him initially? Instagram. In, you say he's in Turkey. Yeah, definitely. It was Instagram. Um, not entirely sure how, uh, he came across my page, but I, I know that he reached out, I can't even remember. I might just like quietly pull up the initial conversation so I could figure out what happened, but I, I can't remember in particular. Um, I think he just kind of reached out on, um, on face on Instagram and um, I'm just pulling it up so I can get. So some. he reached out to you. Yeah. He reached out to me. I think maybe like an ad that I was running found him or something like that. And um, I think he just kind of liked my stuff. And then once I realized that he was releasing music too, I checked his stuff out. I was like, oh, this is badass. And then also then I looked a little closer. I was like, yo, this guy's getting also like millions of streams and stuff like that. (laughs) I think he gets into a lot of like really cool, um, really cool uh, playlists. Uh, I'm just, I found the initial conversation. It was September 17th, 2020. Um, It was a song called Lovers he found of mine and said, uh, you've been listening to a very long time. Really great job. Keep it up. And that was the spark that (laughs) created this. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And he found it on YouTube, actually. Okay, I can see the ah, conversation. Okay. He found it on YouTube. It just came across it and clicked. And then I guess somehow made 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 its way over to the Instagram. How does your <laughs> stuff do on YouTube, like compared to Spotify? Uh, I think considerably less good. Um, I'm kind of pulling it up right now, actually. Um, YouTube, I'm also kind of like doing that more like, I'm trying more like educational videos. And those, Yeah, I've seen a lot of your like... Um, teaching it's almost, Spotify yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, some of those are doing better and there's like a specific reason those are doing better and I could go into that for sure. But to quickly answer your question, um, not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe the Lo-Fi Nights one is like kind of okay. Like maybe it has like a couple like hundred streams or, or whatever you would call them on views on YouTube. Um, nothing too crazy over there. How... You know, we've mentioned a few times that you've been on quite a few editorial playlists. Have you actually made contact with anyone at Spotify or is it all quite mysterious? Uh, I've, I've had no contact with them, actually. I think that they do that on purpose because they don't want, I think there's two reasons. They don't want like, I think that, well, no, there's really only one reason. I think they don't want like you to start talking to an editorial playlist person and then be like, here's like a thousand bucks, get me on. <laughs> <laughs> I think they want to prevent that kind of thing from happening. Um, so that the editorial playlist person is just putting on music like. for the sake of music and yeah. And that way it services the, uh, the playlist listener. So they're only getting good stuff and not stuff that's been bought and paid for. Um, so I've never had any, uh, contact with them. I guess the most thing that I kind of able to do, and, uh, I mentioned this in, I did a recent video on like when I submit things 
to the editor. Each time you put a new song up on Spotify, you have the chance to submit it to the editor right from the back end of the Spotify for Artists dashboard. And um, in that, there's one section for the messaging kind of box. And that's usually where like you can kind of talk to them. So usually I'll say Pitch like, it. yeah. And like, usually that's where in the message box, that's most conversation we will have. And it's one way. So like, but I'll say like, yo, thanks for putting that on the playlist. It's crazy as hell kind of thing. Here's the, here's the next song I'm releasing. And that's like the, the extent of it. <laughs> how, how long were you releasing stuff for before it started to get picked up? On Spotify? On Spotify? Uh, that's a good question. I'm actually going to pull up the back end because I think I was releasing. I, I can actually look at it. This is so cool. <laughs> okay, so I'm in the back end here and I'm looking. So I can give you the exact date that I started. The first song I released was in 2019, wow. uh, the 28th of May. And I think I was releasing songs at like. Actually, I was actually releasing songs just about monthly in 2019. Uh, around that time and then i started releasing i kept releasing stuff into 2020 then it was the 24th of may in 2020 so literally a year later when i started actually like kind of trying to make spotify work a little bit so that's when and that release in 2020 may 2020 i released a song called orbiting and that was like the first song that i put a bit of like facebook ads onto and started trying to get that that thing to start rolling and that's when i kind of started taking it more seriously yeah i mean when i speak to a lot of artists on this podcast that are in like bands and stuff who tend to you know veer more to the lyrical side when they look back on all the stuff they've released they can kind of relate it to a very specific time in their life due to the lyrical content and see exactly where it was coming from can you do a similar thing when you're making instrumental music does it connect in any way with certain periods? <laughs> it, so it does. But the reason that I have a hard time doing that, particularly with like Spotify, is each time that this stuff gets released on Spotify, it's been released like a year or something before that. Oh, so like, yeah. so when I like when I release like any of these songs on um, Spotify, like I think the first like year, maybe even two of releases, they were all songs that I did during that like week to week thing in like i guess it must have been 20 in 2018 2019 and then i just started taking the best ones that i thought whether it was from like reactions or just i liked the song and then i put it into um then i put it into spotify so spotify it was like first it was like the weekly releases and then spotify was like the best of kind of scenario and then from that it's like it's so hard to pinpoint like what that one week was it was such like a flurry of like releasing so much music and then since it's double release like can't pinpoint when it happened it's like it's wild <laughs> i guess you almost get into that routine of releasing as well when you're doing it every month that almost just becomes part of your life rather than it being a special moment and maybe yeah. it become more like routine yeah 100 percent. it's just like it it's just completely part of my life right now so looking back at uh, these songs they the main thing that i can think of that kind of like could attach any meaning is usually like the the name of the song has some kind of identifier so i'm looking at some of these older songs and um there's a song called lovers for example and the reason that song is called lovers is i was working on a um, kind of a remix kind of cover of a song called lovers in a dangerous time it's a i think it's by bill cockburn i think it's a canadian artist and i was working on a remix cover of that with my friend madison because of covid we couldn't actually get together to do the vocals so I actually took parts of that and then ended up building this song called Lovers. So that's why it's called Lovers. Um, there's a song called Deer Park. 
and the area that I moved, I, went, I was living at my dad's a couple of years back. And then I went I was subletting, subletting in Toronto in a spot. And like the area was called Deer Park. Did you see a lot of deer? There was no deer, not That's a deer in sight. I think it was just a cool <laughs> name. <laughs> there was a big graffiti of a deer. Like I think it was like a, a commissioned piece kind of thing. But little things like that, the song names. There's one called Larry. It was a person I connected with on Instagram that found my music. And she, her email was called It's Larry Bitch. <laughs> and um, she sent a, uh, she sent like a voice clip and I was allowed to use it. So I kind of made that song around that voice clip and that kind of reminds me of her little things like that peppered in but usually i guess since i guess since there's no vocals like obviously i was feeling things at the time of creating them but it's not as like it's pinpointing like oh i got a breakup so i made a song called sax appeal like i don't know <laughs> what about what about something like the outdoor jams where they're very tied to a specific location would that change it in any way i guess well those in particular at least when i was doing them in the past i was making them on the fly so I'd find just a cool ass spot and then set up there and then just start like playing around with something, come up with something and then film the jam. I guess just naturally by being in like a really weird, interesting environment that had to have some kind of impact on it. So I was surrounded by it. And then like, obviously it's everything I see at that point in time. And I'm like really focused on my surroundings in particular, since like, it's kind of a weird thing to do, pull out a box of music thing and start working on <laughs> tunes. So I'm kind of like really looking around <laughs> Hoping no one like sees, I guess. Oh, there's or, a bear. I guess it's not the <laughs> or a bear or like anything like that. Um, so yeah, I think it just that would naturally come into play. <laughs> how how far ahead do you plan? Like you were saying earlier on that you have enough stuff to get you to the end of summer. Do you know what's coming out every month, or is it a little bit flexible? Um, usually, it's a combination of both. So usually, what I like to do is have the songs ready to go um for like at least like ideally like three to six months the longer the better i would say and i have like an idea like okay i think it'd be great to release this this month this this month whatever but then i also like to have a bit of flexibility at the same time so usually this is easier if it's not a collaboration or if there's no like label attached to the release since i have complete flexibility um but what i like to do is i could see like i have the say say the six tracks planned out and then i could kind of Say if the the track that I just released flops, then I, the, and then but the song that I was going to release next was really similar to that. That might be an indication, like okay, switch up that that release, and I could use that. Or if like the song I released did really well, it's like okay, I was going to release a song that sounded similar a couple of months from now, but it might make sense to kind of build on the vibe of that previous release or things like that. That's kind of the main thing I like to focus on having having things ready, so I could just drop them, and it's a lot easier to set up the release and distribute it and get everything ready but but also having a bit of flexibility in terms of like like what we talked about before like doing the best possible release possible like if maybe there's if it just makes sense because of a an event in the world or something to move a song up i'd like to be able to do that what sort of event uh i guess like i'm thinking all like back to like say waited so waited it's just a sadder song and um it wasn't a particular event tied to it, but the fact that it was kind of the end of, of 2020, which was a year of random <laughs> shit, right? That's one way of putting uh, it. It was a, he- yeah, it was, it was a heavy year. And so like that felt really right to release at the beginning of the next year to kind of like cap off that year. Um, that's definitely one thing that comes to mind. I don't have any other ideas moving forward, but it, it's just nice to be flexible. It's like it, maybe if there's like a political event happening in the world or something like that, and it makes sense to put something out that might 
be relatable to that. It, it could be nice, but just nice to be flexible in releasing stuff to be adaptive to what's happening in the world. Because if you release, if you have such a strict release schedule, maybe like you're releasing, you planned on releasing something in August or September and it was a really happy song. But what if something really awful happens in the world and it doesn't feel right to release a happy song? You might want to be able to switch it so that your the releases are still taking in the context of what's happening around it in real life. So it's almost like you know when the song is going to come out, you just don't know which one it's going to be per se. Yeah, exactly. And like I'll plan it out where like okay, I'm assuming that this schedule of releases will do great and I think it'll make sense. Um but it's just nice to have that flexibility. Are you thinking about the progression from like song to song? Both both the progression of song to song and just like the context of what's happening in the world around it. Again, like if say the song before it flopped and like the next song was similar to it it might not make sense to do the the, that song next but then like i'm generally going from the viewpoint of like this song will crush it this (laughs) song will crush it after that then it'll make sense that this song comes after that because that one just crushed it going from like the abundance mindset instead of like scarcity mindset but being flexible to like realize that i could be wrong and like i I like having that flexibility for sure when if you drop a song, does it tend to pick up steam really quickly or can it be out for a few months and then suddenly it takes off? I've noticed two things. Usually the first like 30 days is kind of like super important. I'm noticing for releases because um, getting into like the nitty gritty of Spotify algorithm stuff. But in the first 30 days is when a song can get on release radar playlists and the release radar playlist is custom to every single user. And um It'll go to anybody who follows your Spotify profile. But if the song performs well within the first 30 days, Spotify will also push it to the release radar playlist of people who don't follow you. And it'll get like a lot of crazy steam. So I noticed that usually in the like in the first week or two, my songs won't do that great, to be honest. And it'll take like at least a week or two before the algorithm maybe starts pushing it out. And then also usually I'm noticing that when it comes to editorial playlists, they'll usually do something similar. Like they'll, they'll queue it up in an editorial playlist within like the second or third week or so usually. Um, And then beyond that, the one really cool thing about Spotify is um, there's also all these other, uh, uh, not editorial playlists, but algorithmic playlists. So there's one in particular called discover weekly. And that seems to trigger like, more like when the song's been out a little bit longer, or at least when it's hit like a threshold of like, say, it seems like it's about like 20,000 streams or so. So what's cool about that is a song that you released like six months ago might slowly build up streams over like, say, six months and then hit that threshold for something like Discover Weekly and then start getting pushed out more. And then that song will start taking on a new life as well. So that's kind of cool. So it it usually depends, but I'm usually noticing that it usually takes a while to pick up, always. It's not like, oh, my first week was the best. That like, never happens for at least me, the way I'm doing it. Does that take the pressure off slightly? Because you're not anticipating it to shoot off as soon as it comes out. Oh, oh boy, 100% <laughs> actually. <laughs> and like, I, I was actually like kind of thinking about it too, especially as I've like, been working, collaborating a little bit more. And like uh, for the last two remixes, I actually uh, ran facebook ads for the the two artists my friend shy kids and my friend uh, mallory and like so i gotta kind of keep them abreast of what's going on with those releases and i noticed it's like i do everything like the the couple like maybe a week or two leading up to the release it's all like setting up websites and setting up uh, ads and stuff like that and creating the the facebook posts but then after that just like 
I schedule the ads and I schedule the Facebook posts. And then once the song releases, it's just chilling. <laughs> There's like no stress once the song's released for me, at least. That's all. It's not like I'm like panicking, like, okay, I got to submit it to playlists and I got to reach out to people and this and that. It's like, no, I did like the strongest thing I could do in my opinion, which is like setting up ads and, and the social stuff. And now I just kind of, I can react. So if, as people like comment on stuff, I try to keep on touch with that, but I'm really, really bad at that. Or when people send messages, I'll just keep on touch with that. If there's a cool playlist ad, I'll uh, throw in an extra post about that, but it's so chill. <laughs> it's so chill. We, we touched upon this idea earlier of having the two hats, like the creator hat and the manager hat. And it seems to have been like the theme of our conversation. Overall, we've kind of gone between the two. How did the learning curve compare for each one? The kind of business side to it and the creation and the musical side to it. So I guess starting with music, um, I've been working on, like I've been playing in bands and playing guitar and stuff since I was like 13. I'm about 29 now, uh, turning 30 next month, actually. Wow. Wow. Um, So I've been playing guitar and getting better at music and like I've been like obsessed with it since then, like constantly trying to learn new things and different genres and getting better and better. So I've been... Like, the, like, it's obviously taken quite a long time. Um, but also, like, during that point, I've always taken a huge interest in all aspects of it. So there was, like, once I was in bands, it was like, yo, we need to start recording. Um, I don't, I'm also a cheap ass, so I don't want to, like, pay someone to do it or, like, rent studio space and all that kind of stuff. So I started learning how to, like, record and mix and master. And obviously, the first ones of those sucked. But then over time, I've gotten quite good at it. And now I'm fairly decent at it and i don't have to send out my songs i can just mix and master them myself now you have a lot more control too way more control so then i have more control over like where i choose to spend my money for one since i don't have to spend on mixing and mastering and then for two i don't need to like wait for like a mix or a master to come come out or anything like that or like for if i really needed somebody to work on like the drums because i couldn't do it i can do all of it and i've all that flexibility and control which is amazing uh, it's been a slow process. It's not like I just decided to start doing music a year or two ago and just release a song every week. It's like I've been doing some kind of music for years and years and years. Um, so, and then like that usually comes with like, I guess the learning curve has been a long time. There's been so many points during this journey where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good now. And then a year or two later, it's like, I can't believe I thought I was good at that point. Why did I even say that to myself? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like it's constantly, constantly evolving there. Um, if that answers the question, hopefully on the music side, on the more marketing side, again, like same thing is I've been kind of doing it ever since I was in bands because I noticed there was some kind of need to like, if you want to take it more seriously, you got to like kind of treat it as a business. And I didn't know that's what that meant at the beginning. Like, oh, this is basically business, but trying to get those bands to do as good as possible. Um, I've always been doing that even when it was in the band time. And um, that kind of spurred me to like, want to go to i went to school for it as well uh business marketing. yeah digital marketing aren't you exactly yeah yeah and then one cool thing is that i actually ended up getting a job in digital marketing as well um so i'm able from that job i've also been able to like do a lot of cool things with like e-commerce and um building websites and doing social stuff and running facebook ads all sorts of stuff so also like i've been privileged in the sense that my job has been able to teach me so many cool things also. Um, and then I've been able to apply that to the music stuff. And then from the, from there, it's been a lot of like on for both the, the music and the business stuff, just constantly like searching out YouTube people and YouTube videos and trying to like 
learn as much about this stuff as possible. And then that's show me some things like the Andrew dude I mentioned and Tom. There's also another really cool one called Interpreneur. I'll send that link as well. Just like immersing myself in this kind of uh, the world of both of music and business and like constantly trying to learn more about it because there's always more to learn and it's so fascinating I think both of them and then from there constantly having some kind of project that I've been working on since the beginning where it's like I could apply the music stuff directly all the time so I'm not just like watching a YouTube and video and then I don't know going to sleep or something it's like I'll like be releasing music and be able to apply it directly constantly is this I mean this hunger you have to learn do you think that's your strongest attribute uh I think it's up there for sure because it's been very useful. <laughs> it's been very useful. Um, I think I'm also lucky that um, I've grown up in a t- like the, the perfect time right now where it's like there's no need for almost traditional education anymore when anyone can enroll in the University of YouTube. Like everything is there, right? And I think that's also kind of like enforced this uh, personality or attribute where it's like, I can see that there's like endless knowledge out there. And I notice that when I consume the knowledge and like apply it, good things happen. So it's constantly reinforcing like, yo, keep learning stuff. It's badass and it's going to pay off. <laughs> and it's just exciting, there's, especially in music. Like, I think that's one thing I like about it where it's like, sure, you could just like play the guitar and that's fun. But also you could play the guitar and you could play it around a band and have like a full song and then you can come up figure out ways to get make really good songs and you could also there's an aspect of music where you could learn how to record those songs and mix and master and there's crazy things you could learn about all that and then actually releasing stuff and taking it more seriously like the business side of it all of it's so fascinating i find to me um so i'm super grateful that there's something like that in the world like music where so many there's so many forks in that road and each one goes crazy in depth like songwriting is a crazy skill guitar is a crazy skill like there's endless depth to any of those things same with like the business and marketing side like there's so much to learn with all of it it's so exciting and awesome (laughs) hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.